Well, welcome back, everyone, to episode four. And for want of a better phrase, jump on in. The water's fine. I think we've had more than enough talking about the water up here. And this is why I've decided that given the content of the first few episodes so far, perhaps today and indeed this week, we might lift the tone up a bit and talk about some of the more basic aspects of human interaction that I think tend to put a wry smile at the very minimum on most people's faces. I thought this week we might explore the concepts of laughter and synchronicity. What does it mean to have a laugh? What is a laugh? I think we could all do with one. That's, uh, you know, that's my perspective. I think we could all do with a laugh. I've done a little bit of research for this, spurred on by the confusion of using a laughter emoji in some cases. And indeed, I think this is another main reason why it's, I think it's important for us to stop and have a think about this. What are we laughing at when we laugh over the internet? Is it too easy for people to take our laughs the wrong way? Are we still successfully able to express when we're laughing with the, the author of the sentiment or perhaps adversely? Seems to be a bit lost. So how about we just go back to some of the foundations for, for a show? And synchronicity. Now this keeps hitting me in the face, especially since this week I wasn't entirely sure that my absolute favourite podcaster, Blind Boy, would be delving two weeks in a row into mental health, uh, same week that uh, Ben graciously gave his gave up his time for us in episode three. Yeah, we kind of approached the same sort of subjects from different angles. At the same time, of all things, a little bit of ASMR. My favourite podcaster used flicking through a book the same time that I flicked through a book to add to that bonus episode as, as a sound, as an audio. Synchronicity like that. There is no way that I could have known he was going to do that and there is no way that he could have heard my episode before that. So, synchronicity. When weird things happen. Or they are set to be synchronous by some force. Let's have a look at that in the second half here. And... I, again, please, feedback. Uh, leave me messages uh, at uh, Instagram if you like, mbatfreak. Still haven't got more socials set up for the show. Uh, hopefully, maybe uh, by Easter, that'll be sorted. Uh, but we'll see how we go with that. What I wouldn't give to be interviewing an actual comedian on the show. Sometimes, you know, you, you want to go straight to the source for these sorts of things, the, the deliverer. You want to talk about milk? Talk to someone that either lives on or or is vaguely associated with a dairy. You know, not the end seller of the milk. You know, talk to the person that runs the comedy club to talk about what's funny. I really wish uh, we could get a comedian on. And we soon, we will, I'm sure we will. But what is a comedian? Aren't we all funny? Aren't we all seeking a bit of a laugh deep down, either delivering it or soaking one up? Don't Don't we want that? Actually, I've just realised that uh, the best people to speak to about what happens at the dairy would be the cows themselves. But as of yet, and possibly not ever in my lifetime, uh, will we achieve that. I mean, you could wait for that until the cows come home. 
which, again, when you think about it, would be the ideal time to actually have a talk to the cows. You know, end of the day, everyone can sit around, relax, share their stories, unload, and, yeah, wait for that until the cows come home. And as Flacco asked, what is it about bovine perambulations and the procrastination of man? Okay, so if anyone asks, I answer that I was raised on two things or that I grew up surviving culturally on two things, music and comedy. My earliest memories pretty much float around ABC children's TV programming. That was more of a household decision, but only because we had one other commercial channel to choose from growing up. So it was a lot easier to leave the ABC on and let their selections come to us, which was great. The Goodies, the Kenny Everett video show, and of course, as I grew up, The Young Ones, Faulty Towers, Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, Mother and Son, even Yes Minister and the Gillies Report, stuff like that. That was I was laughing at that. I didn't necessarily have to understand it all. Even Rumpole to me was comedy. I, I found stuff to laugh at there. And of course the comedy within the cartoons and of course the bawdy comedy like Are You Being Served. It was all one big comedy pit for me. And that's what I grew up on. That's what I absorbed. And I started using comedy uh, within my my dialogue with other people. Also, to a degree, I would store some of the most precious comedy to be brought up at um, odd times. Sometimes uh, defensive, sometimes under stress. Because they maybe the situation just reminded me of what that particular character was going through. So... I love comedy, but of course, there's no point in me just sitting here talking about comedy. I'm talking about laughter. Now, all of those different shows that I've just mentioned make you laugh at a whole range of things that are quite realistic. The absurdity of Kenny Everett's range of characters. The physical anarchy of the goodies getting up to whatever they felt like. Very, very little of it was designed to do anything but make you laugh and keep your attention away from the doom and gloom outside. So I found safety in comedy. And I learned how to laugh and what it meant to be able to laugh at uh, new situations. We can always remember... The first time we were told that something was inappropriate to laugh at, that we had to start dissuading between what was laughable appropriately and what was laughable unsociably. And I wonder if perhaps in this modern age and the need to get content out quickly and delivered in in as simplistic a set of terms as possible, that those nuances and considerations and almost polite manners... Uh, in in that regard, have just gone out the door. That uh, there's no need to sit there and say, I'm not going to say that because I don't want anyone to get offended. Hmm, is that the new thinking about, uh, I can laugh at it so everyone else should. And I'm not talking about censorship as such. That's a whole publishing thing. That's for another episode. 
we're focusing on laughter. Now, I'm quite sure, having said all that about how I use comedy in uh, my my deal with a new situation life and defensively, at least one listener and at least one person that knows me heard that intro and said, Oh, Marty, what have you done? When it came to talking about misinterpreting an emoji. Uh, actually, this time, nothing. This time, I'm in the clear. This happened, but not to me. But before I touch on it, let me just show you the first... I'll read you the first thing that I found. Well, the third thing, really, that I found when I, I googled smiley face emoji. And would you believe the third or fourth uh, question for it in the Google results is, is, now you've got to imagine this, a yellow face with simple open eyes and a thin closed smile, right? The emoji that is very heavily based on the uh, 90s, Oh, sorry, uh, late 80s, mid 80s, uh, smiley face badge, as used in The Watchman. It's two dots and a big um, black smile, that's it. I think you're supposed to draw them as ovals. The, the eyes are supposed to be ovular or ovaltine <laughs> in nature um, in order to, to hit that patent that he patented, some guy, which I should have done research on. But just think about that. Yellow, two black dots for eyes or circles, or ovals, and thin-lined, slightly curved mouth. Is, think of that picture, passive-aggressive? So that's so popular as a question, it's actually been answered. Yes, there is its own listing to answer that question. Is delivering a smiley face, this is exactly what I suspected, that the emoji no longer means exactly what it means. We have, we've, we've used it up. It's now being weaponized for sarcasm. So, the answer to that, as provided by Emojipedia on Twitter, actually says, I can't believe this. This is, this is two years ago this week, by the way. Two years ago exactly to this week, this listing. A yellow face with simple open eyes and a thin closed smile conveys a wide range of positive, happy and friendly sentiments. So good so far. Then, its tone can also be patronising, passive-aggressive or ironic, as if saying, this is fine, when really it's not. What? <laughs> what? We have to now actually list that as an accepted, oh yeah, people do that? We, th this is how far we've come. So they had to actually introduce a whole bunch of other emojis. I think I lost count after 80 or 90, trying to add them all up on my phone. Variations on a theme of your face now, so that you can actually choose something that looks a little bit more like what you're trying to actually say without coming across passive-aggressive or falsely ironic or um, you know inadvertently weeping. Uh, there's still too many people actually using the laugh till I, till tears are coming out of my eyes as crying. That's still getting messed around. People are still <laughs> screwing that one up. But I, that just said it all for me. Now, the story that actually motivated all this. 
So, we've had floods. We've had floods in New South Wales. Shivers down my spine as I think about this. Obviously, it's happened to at least one person this last fortnight. Their comic collection got affected by rising tide. Could have been stormwater, could have been rainwater, could have been river water. I don't know. But a photo of comics that had floated up into someone else's driveway were being dried out by the person that lived there and had posted a photo of the covers trying to dry out on the driveway. And that photo was then screenshot and put up into one of my uh, comic uh, buy, swap, sell type groups. Thousands of members, thousands. I'm already, you know, I'd like to say knee deep in boxes and everything up off the floor, but I don't mean knee deep. I had to use my knee as a, as a standard, right? It, nothing can be below my knee, so I don't want to say knee deep. I want to say the opposite of knee deep. I've been thinking about that too long. So here I am in the throes of getting everything up. I see that photo. I'm, I was tempted to um, you know, mention something like uh, timing, but of course it's timing. It's timing for everyone right now. What was really unfortunate is I was all ready to scroll away, not give it any energy, but one of my mates, good bloke, one of my mates in the scene, we haven't met, we're just buyers and collectors, he hit the laugh button. And the laugh emoji came up on his selection of like or dislike or or angry or sad or wow. You know, that little list that comes up. This is on Facebook. And he left the laugh emoji there. And instantly I just stopped and went, that's, I, I want to believe that's a mistake. I really want to believe that's a mistake. But we have a neurodivergent scene within the comic collecting scene. Got to go with what you know. So I contacted MS and said, what, what, what's up with that? And just kept it nice and short. And he didn't understand. He said, what, what, what's wrong? No, 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 I, I was down with that. And I'm like, whoa, hang on, hang on. Oh. And now I have to actually point out to him that if I'm going to continue this conversation, I have to understand what he was down with. What was he about to try and tell me? That he that he found it funny? And is that one of his coping mechanisms? Like, does that what he does? Does he laugh in order to process what obviously looks like a little bit of a tragedy? It's not that they are expensive comics. You'd want them. Let's just put it that way. They were recognisable and you would want them as a collector. It was luck that the ones that this person was drawing on their driveway were very co- collectible. So I, said, I stopped and went, what? What? what are you down with? He was like, um, I, I gave that a, a, a smile because it was good to see that they were, you know, at least trying to dry them out. And isn't it nice to think that the owner would get it? And I'm like, have you, have you gone back and actually had a look? And he went back and said, oh, I hit the laugh. Yeah, yeah, no, I do that all the time. I said, what? What do you, what, what, what do you use the laugh all the time. I didn't want to have to be quoting him at this stage, but I'm like, hey, what do you mean you, you laugh at everything all the time? He said, yeah, no, I use that instead of like. I'm like, why don't you just use smile? He goes, nah, no one uses smile anymore. That's too sarcastic. Or, you know, people don't understand what you mean. And I'm like, sure. What about the thumb, buddy? I, was talk- I wasn't talking about the smile for a like. 
I was talking about the thumb, ye olde worldy thumb, when that's all we used to have. And get this. He said, oh, I only use the thumb instead of giving someone the finger. So I stopped and I thought about what it was he was saying. And I, I asked, but why do you do that? And he said, it's because Facebook haven't given us a middle finger emoji yet. I'm quietly humming to myself, hmm, if only when. Uh, or just, he said it would just be cool if there was just a bird. So you could actually give people the bird instead. And I said, yep, yeah, that's okay, I get why you've chosen that. But they don't know that you're giving them the finger. And he said, yeah, but I do. And I realised that was him having his laugh. That was that was how he gets a laugh. By them having no idea that he's actually, every time he's using it, obviously in his world, minimally, he's a, he's a fairly nice guy. So obviously, as far as I'm concerned, these people deserve it. If he is giving someone the bird, that conversation's gone south or he completely disagrees. And and just really can't do that. <laughs> that conversation's gone south. And he hasn't got any other way of being able to sign off in his own mind with something as innocuous as the thumb. Or am I missing something? Is the thumb actually out there and being used as the finger? I don't know. Don't make me start going through my conversations and trying to post-analyse or retro-analyse all the thumbs I've been given. <laughs> anyway, but that's his laugh. He's having a laugh every time he does that. So he's getting... His, his internal response that he wants. So definition time, quick definition time before we have another musical break. Some good tunes today. Definition of Wikipedia says today, laughter is a pleasant physical reaction consisting mostly of rhythmical, often audible contractions of the diaphragm and other parts of the respiratory system. There we go, there's a very mechanical definition of it. But again, just like my results for the emoji search, I go to the second result and the real definition of laughter, according to Merriam-Webster, which is a dictionary, is to show emotion such as mirth, joy or scorn with a chuckle or an explosive vocal sound such as the audience was laughing hysterically. Laughter has all sorts of medical benefits, apparently, including relaxing the muscles. And I can confirm that, especially after taking my 11-year-old to see the Doug Anthony All-Stars and his body overcome with so much laughter that his muscles were so relaxed, I had to pick him up off the floor. He had a stitch from laughing. And so he was still laughing while he was in pain. Most enjoyable stitch ever, I think he described it. Or worth it, I think were probably his, his better chosen words. And yeah, I took him to the All-Stars at 11 because he was ready. <laughs> as far as I was concerned, he was ready to cop the same comedy I was going to get. I was ready for any questions he had about anything, anything at all. I got nothing. He just laughed and laughed and laughed. 
I mean, considering Paul McDermott managed to make his Alan Shield impression last for about eight minutes, yeah, we were all pretty sore. Okay, to make up for all the absence of music uh, lately, that was Halizna CC0 at the top with Families, another great artist using the Creative Commons license and uh, listed at freemusicarchive.org. Uh, a couple of other tunes for today's show are piano pieces. Have you ever learned an instrument, given a, given it a go? I loved the piano when I was a kid. You'd get a lot of, uh, I don't know, internals out on a piano keyboard. My first instrument, and you know what? Probably old enough to think about picking it up again. Why not? So this one is also on uh, Creative Commons, and it's Humbug by Croanda. Laughter. You, when you laugh, when you laugh upstairs in your brain, a signal is sent to your neurotransmitters to release endorphins. There we go. That's the most simple way of looking at why our bodies and our minds would want this to happen. It starts like that. For whatever reason, I've already covered a number of different reasons why. 
people might want to laugh at something, including scorn, but mostly joy. And I found a website, mayoclinic.org, that helps explain laughter uh, within stress management and gaining stress relief. When it comes to relieving stress, more giggles and guffaws are just what the doctor ordered. And when I hear that phrase, by the way, giggles and guffaws, I love that. I love hearing a real deep, snorting, belly laugh, something that's uncontrollable. That's probably one of the the reasons why I would ever want to get back up on the mic again. I love that when that happens. For what I don't even care if they're laughing at me, if it's become ridiculous for them. If that's where they're up to, I I know what's going on in their brain. Endorphin City up there. So it says uh, at Mayo Clinic, whether you're guffawing at a sitcom on TV or quietly giggling at a newspaper cartoon, laughing does you good. Laughter is a great form of stress release, and that's no joke. Pun, pun, pun. So short-term benefits of laughter. It, uh, it's got three listed here. Uh, a good laugh essentially has great short-term effects. When you start to laugh, it doesn't just lighten your load mentally. It actually induces physical changes in your body. Uh, laughter can, for example, stimulate many organs. Uh, laughter enhances your intake of oxygen-rich air. That's what Liam was doing. He was taking, or, or lack thereof, and then when he wasn't, he was he was taking massive lungfuls. I remember it. <laughs> I was concerned at some point. Let me tell you. And it stimulates your heart, lungs, and muscles, and increases the endorphins that are released by your brain. It then goes on to potentially activate and release your relieve your stress response. You know, so a rollicking laugh, it says, fires up and then cools down your stress response and it can increase and then decrease your heart rate and blood pressure. The result is a good, relaxed feeling. And finally, laughter can soothe tension. Laughter can also stimulate circulation and aid muscle relaxation, both of which can help reduce some of the physical symptoms of stress. So those are short-term. Now, long-term effects, apparently laughter can improve your immune system. So the more that you're doing this, uh, you're fighting negative thoughts that end up, well, originally being manifested into uh, chemical reactions that can affect your body. By contrasting them with positive thoughts, you're, you're fighting them with neuropeptides. Cool. I finally learned a word in context today. They help fight stress and potentially more serious illnesses. Good. Laughter relieves pain. We know that. We all know that. It increases personal satisfaction? Absolutely. If you've found a way to laugh your way, even that fellow's way, that can help you cope with difficult situations. And it can improve your mood. Who doesn't feel better after a laugh? You know, it's hard to fight chronic illnesses, for example. It is hard because... By very definition, it's ongoing all the time. If you can have those spontaneous explosive moments, perfect. It can improve your self-esteem for a starter. And of course, the more you laugh, the better your sense of humor develops. You start to put humor on your horizon. Uh, Put humor up on your horizon. Sounds like what I do. When I go into a room or a new scenario, I do actually like to suss out what is funny or odd about the situation, very rarely at work, 
very rarely in a workplace do I think funny things come out for me. I'm too concerned about making sure rigmarole is adhered to. That's probably my own thing. But, you know, everywhere else, I do love uh, spotting quirks and, uh, you know, nuances and uh, particular characteristics that appear funny and can be brought up at the right time. I enjoy that with sensitivity, of course, or lack thereof if I'm drunk. Uh, uh, Share a laugh, of course. You know, the the thing about laughter is when you do have a laugh, you are very rarely on your own. Well, it sounds like uh, I've got all the background noise coming back to haunt me now. Uh, So, yes, even when I'm sitting on my own enjoying something that I know I'm going to laugh at, I look forward to even more special moments than than that and being able to share it if i'm going to sit down and watch brooklyn 99 series you know it doesn't matter I'm, I'm all relaxed i'm ready to take it all in and these days you can binge you can get one laugh after the other after the other it can just be a, a, a long sequence a whole night of laughter if you're on a vibe like that binge laughter love it love the idea but i love it more so when uh, Liam, for example, says, hey, Dad, have you watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine? And I'm like, I haven't watched that particular season yet, mate. So I know that while I'm watching it, there's going to be at least five, maybe ten laughs that we're going to be able to share again with each other that we found funny. So they'll turn into what I call double laughs. I know I'm going to be able to have these random moments of double laughs with him later what a what a reward knock knock jokes i've got to ask could you please all send me your best and worst knock knock jokes now i want the best and i want the worst because something else i came across while i was researching was that the idea of the worst joke is still someone else's funniest joke have a think about that if it's got a punchline someone finds it funny So the worst joke is someone else's best joke. And your best joke, because it might not make any sense to them, could be their idea of the worst joke. They're all jokes. Send them in, especially the knock-knocks. I'll read them out. I promise. Something else I think we all carry as well is that story of the funniest thing that ever happened to me was. And how we recall and retell that story, that tale to others, uh, can often reveal more about why it was funny because it was funny to everyone else that was there or you found it the funniest thing but either way you if you open with it's the funniest thing that happened to me you are the subject of that story and I think we've all got one of those and that's a good thing and please do feel free to share those stories with me I'll leave your name out if you wish Uh, there's nothing like uh, yeah bringing some realism into the show Anyway, it's probably time now to move on from laughter to synchronicity. Now, this is a very ethereal application of thinking. It has very little to do with causality. Scientists look for causality. If A, then B, due to C. You know, or uh, the introduction of uh, objects and materials to an environment will cause something else to manifest or change. That's causality. That's quite direct. That's quite obvious. Synchronicity 
tends to pop up out of nowhere with a with a lack of reason. I like to think of it as a, a random affiliation of two moments happening within the same realm. Now, ScienceDirect.com says that in psychology, synchronicity is defined as the occurrence of meaningful coincidences that seem to have no cause. That is, the coincidences are a-causal. The underlying idea is that there is unity in diversity. And within psychology, you give much credit as a student to Carl Jung for introducing the concept in the 50s. Spiritually speaking, synchronicities are incidents of spiritual significance that ask us to momentarily dampen our self-obsession, as in, you know, take ourself out of the picture for a moment, and consider the possibility of the divine. So a sort of a, a signal, a little firework from somewhere else on your plane of existence that that was meant to happen. Synchronistic experiences, this is from goop.com by the way, leave us with a curious sense that we should pay attention. So what happened before when I suddenly noticed that I heard another podcaster flicking through the corners of his book uh, over the microphone for, for sound effect the same week that I did? What happened there? I should pay attention to the fact that we are both creative types and that inevitably one of us would have thought of it. But right now, we just happen to have books on hand at the time that we were recording that were of significance to us. So there's my, my take on synchronicity. I walk away amused at that. I won't forget it because the odds of it are so high. The odds of it occurring are so high that I'm short of anything but the fact that it's just chance. And as we know, when you think about chance, coincidence is your preferred answer or your preferred label there. Coincidence undermines a whole other bunch of people that I'd like to bring into the story now, they rely on synchronicity big time, and they are psychics. And I'm referring mostly to the the, uh, the show ponies of mediums and psychics. For me, the number of people in the room will directly and exponentially affect how successful your little show goes. If you look at synchronicity as a moment where an answer and a question bump into each other that one party didn't even know existed and the other one affirms also had no way of really knowing that a bond would be there, that's a synchronicity in its most purest form. Two ideas were offered up at the same moment and a connection was made between them motivated by any number of things that were important to at least one party. So that is a synchronicity. That's all that is. The performer is trying to convince you that they have special powers, that they are unique among others to induce that, and they will not leave it as a simple synchronicity. 
They want to take all the credit for it, for manifesting it of their own accord or from their presence in the room. They want to suggest that they walk with connections to all of these other beings. Now, hold that thought and multiply the number of people that you thought were in the room by 10 and then do it by 10 again. As people sit there and their minds tick through merely the synchronicity of it, verbally, of course, they say, oh. Now, when you hear that and your mind still isn't made up about whether it's special, whether you should be in awe of this individual's magic powers, you are likely to tip towards the awe because that's group thinking at play. And that's what they rely on. Group thinking moving very quickly from synchronicity to being awed by the moment and what it might mean. Conspiracy theorists love synchronicity. In fact, if they don't realize it by now, they thrive on it. They need it. They have to expect more synchronicity to turn up one after the other after the other in order to validate what it is they started saying in the first place. If you are the sort of person that's looking for connections between the bees disappearing and 5G, chemtrails and water fluoridation, if you're looking for all of those things, the moment you get your very first synchronicity between the government and what's in your food, for example, you will hang on to that. Like, a, I was going to say rabid dog, but that's not fair. That's not fair because I am acknowledging what's happening. I'm not putting conspiracy theorists down. I want to point out just how vehement they want to be once they've hit that synchronicity and lock it in, Eddie. Now, Trumpism relied very heavily on this. They had knowledge of this as an already established worldwide um, state of mind for, for lack of wanting to call it a phenomenon. It's not really uh, post-internet, turn of the century. Yeah, welcome to an internet full of theorists. So Trumpism relied on being able to use synchronicity to their advantage. They would build connections in other people's minds from lies to other lies and leave them wondering which of the two they should lean on more. And, and that alone, not relying on them deciding one or the other, means they didn't have to take responsibility for the end result. I mean, the, the Trump administration alone would flip-flop so often uh, between uh, backing, a, backing up a synchronicity and then walking away from it. I, I have no idea if they even knew which way up they were standing by the time they were finished. So you can see how that sort of need for control within the observation, the acceptance of synchronicity as a power, um, it, it all comes into play. And this is what I think some of the conspiracy theorists want to get out of it. They want to regain their own control. And why would that be? I'm willing to guess that it's partially due to the fact that a lot 
of academics have already spent the last 100, 150 years establishing how synchronicities should just become part of life. You should just take them the way they are because other people have decided that for you. So let's celebrate those synchronicities. For example, uh, people that want to use uh, computers to manage synchronicity and produce synchronicity within lives. That's why we enjoy studying maths. That's why we enjoy computer science. And these aren't necessarily areas of study that appeal to the, to the greater masses. It's kind of left for, for those people to worry about. Synchronicity is something we control, not just with computers. We control it with our diaries, and synchronizing those diaries with other diaries also becomes a way of being able to uh, enjoy other moments of delight outside of projects where there's extra synchronicity happening. And that's, you know, that's, that's how it becomes functional in the first place and then special after that. Not sure that that explained it too well. I guess knowing that um, the synchronicities happening in your team might also be happening in another team. You, you're not necessarily working together, but uh, seeing uh, outcomes come out at the right time can be moments of synchronicity that no one saw coming. We as humans, of course, also synchronize. Time for me to acknowledge that, yes, we even our bodies can synchronize in, in a group. Um, I don't have one, but if I had a female body, it would uh, potentially, based on whoever I'd lived with, uh, confirm that, uh, yes, you can even synchronize menstrual cycles. Uh, again, bodies working in, in a new harmony uh, on this basis of things happening at the same time. And speaking of time, we synchronize watches. Although we don't really do that anymore, do we? Our phones and our computers tend to take care of that. But uh, it's still a concept we're all familiar with. If you have to make sure you're going to meet up with someone, they have to know that you're on the same time frame, which is a synchronicity. Music. Of course, we've been listening to some lovely music, and we're going to listen to some more to finish off the show soon. Uh, the track in the middle you may have observed in your mind, sounded at times a bit asynchronous, that uh, beats and patterns weren't matching up. What happens there is to keep the mind awake is some time signatures were changing. Uh, spaces between the notes may not have changed that much, but the rhythm changed. So that daring away from being presentable as a, as a set piece means you'll have those moments of synchronicity when you remember they're coming up. The first time a DJ puts those two uh, rather fast and uh, differently produced high trance tracks together and they hit the same point at the same moment, that's a synchronicity. And you want to recreate that again sometime and you'll try and remember as hard as you can, but it won't be as good as the first time. Again, a pure synchronicity that you, you keep Dancing and the way that dancers interact as well are a good example of how synchronicity uh, blows you away when you see it. 
and it doesn't always have to be as you know mathematically defined as I may have suggested before. You can still see the synchronicity of, of flow between a, uh, members of a dance troupe and indeed you can see that question and answer popping up that you didn't expect to see that I mentioned earlier on as well within the, the dialogue going on between two dancers. It doesn't have to be immediate either. Some synchronicities take a little bit more time to emerge. Why did I buy that smoke machine? I don't have a need immediately for a smoke machine. Within a fortnight, someone hires you for a party and they want a smoke machine. And you've never been asked before. Synchronicity. So these are all more more general and more pleasant aspects uh, of how we see it coming up in our lives. But as I said at the beginning, this is quite ethereal. And so when you start handing your level of belief upwards, there are those that have been around for centuries that would use synchronicity as an example of believing in something else, a higher power. Uh, that didn't just happen. Someone decided to make it happen. And you should be grateful that you noticed that because that was that particular being touching you and reaching out to you, and connecting with you. So, hmm, bit of a borrow there. Anyway, so we're going to wrap it up soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I must, of course, finish by mentioning why I brought the two together. Uh, for me, you have laughter, and you have the, the other side of laughter. Synchronicity is a moment where you actually get to question whether you're right about something. Laughter is the absolute opposite of that moment. When you're laughing, you're saying, I'm not really fussed about what's right and wrong right now. I know that something is very funny and amusing to me, and I'm celebrating that moment. I'm going to finish episode four with a track by Marcos H. Bolanos, aptly called Rain Soaked Window. And this is going out to all the hearts and souls that make up the community of Lismore and all the surrounding villages and suburbs that have been equally affected and devastated this month. My love to each and every one of you. You will survive. See you next week. <laughs>